I'm not sure you're aware of this, but Monday, March the 9th, was National Get Over It Day. And I thought that was kind of unique. It was highlighted on Good Morning America, a day designated to forgive and just let things go. There's a man by the name of Jeff Goldblatt, and this is kind of his, his push, his thing. And he has um, a website even that you can go and get, get over it paraphernalia, shirts and cups and bookmarks and that kind of thing. He says, if you're not sure what you need to get over, just ask your friends and or family what you complain and gripe about the most, and that's probably what you need to let go of. You know, we're not very good at letting it go, are we? I'm not, not sure we're too good at forgiving and forgetting. We struggle with that. We like to be forgiven, but we're not too big on letting it go and forgiving other people. For instance, there was a man who was sick in the hospital. He was dying. And he had a, a, a lifetime nemesis, an arch enemy, and this arch enemy came to visit his dying ex-friend. And they were able to talk out their issue while he was in the hospital and As this enemy got up to leave, the man in the bed said, If I get out of here, this ain't over. Do you think he really understood forgiveness? In the book, The Telling Room, Michael Paterni tells about an incident that he saw while visiting there. It was his father's ancestral village in Sicily. And he tells of an old woman there. And evidently she got up at the crack of dawn every day and she began her walk to the local cemetery. It wasn't a long walk, but she did not walk very fast. And he says it took her three hours to get there and three hours to get home. He thought that maybe that she had lost a child or maybe her her husband and that she went there every day. Six hours of her day to visit the grave of a loved one. But come to find out that she went there every day, three hours there, three hours home, six hours out of her day to spit on the grave of her arch enemy. And we chuckle at that, but that's a little sick, isn't it? A little twisted? That she would spend so much time, I don't think she really understood forgiveness. Do you? This is a picture of Cindy Winters. Cindy was in church with the rest of her church family at First Baptist Church in Maryville, Illinois, when a disturbed man came in that Sunday morning and shot and killed her husband, who was the minister at the church in Maryville, Illinois. Remember the story? When she was interviewed on the early show on CBS... Here's what she said. I don't have any hatred or even any hard feelings for that man. We've been praying for him, and one of the first things my daughter said to me after this, this horrible thing happened, you know, I, I hope that he comes to learn to love Jesus through all of this. We are not angry at all, and we really firmly believe that he can find hope and forgiveness and peace. By coming to know Jesus, and we hope that this happens for him. 
how in the world could she say that or, or feel that way? I think it's because she really understands forgiveness. Addy Guzman de Jesus is pictured here with her, her daughter. Her daughter is just 13 years old. She was on the school bus and she and her friends were making their way to Miami Dade High School. Jordan Howe, a 14-year-old friend, had found his father's gun in its hiding place. And he took it to school on the bus to show his buddies. And while they were looking at this handgun, it went off and it, the bullet struck Jenna in her neck as she sat close by. And she died. And this past June, when Addie faced her daughter's killer in court, instead of ranting and raving and raging and revengeful, here's what she said to Jordan. I forgive you, and I hope that the court is lenient towards you as they pass this sentence. And the judge said, in the 20 years that I've watched human tragedy unfold in this courtroom, I can never imagine a victim's mother embracing their child's killer. I hope and pray, Jordan, that you do not squander this opportunity that you've been given. And instead of receiving 25 years, he received six months plus probation, all because a woman understood what it really meant to forgive. This is Victoria Ruvolo. She lives in New York, and she was on her way to her niece's recital. She was just driving, minding her own business. She did not pay any attention to the car that was coming towards her. In that car, there was a young man by the name of Ryan Cushings. He and his buddies, four or five in the car, had stolen some credit cards, and they had been on a spending spree. And for some reason, as this car, as they two approached, something motivated Jordan, or excuse me, Ryan, to take the turkey that they had purchased at the store, the frozen turkey, and he chucked it out the window. The turkey hit the windshield of Mrs. Ravolo. She survived... Ten hours of surgery and months of rehab, and then October 17th, she went to Cushing's sentencing. And here's part of her statement. Despite all the fear and pain that I have learned from this horrific experience, and I have much to be thankful for each day when I wake up, I thank God that I'm alive. Ryan, I sincerely hope that you have learned from this awful experience. There is no room for vengeance in my life, and I do not believe a long, hard prison term would do you, me, or society any good. I truly hope that by demonstrating compassion and leniency, I have encouraged to, are you to seek an honorable life, and if my generosity will help you mature into a responsible, honest, kind man whose graciousness is a source of pride to your loved ones and your community, then I will be truly gratified. And my suffering will not have been in vain. Ryan, please prove me right. 
And he too was given a more lenient sentence because of her words. And I'm thinking, how in the world could she do that? I'm not sure I could have said those things. Could you? I really think that she began to understand forgiveness. And today we begin a brand new series that I've titled, What If? And I think that by looking at some of the basic teachings in Scripture, we can see that maybe if we could do some of these things, if we could put some of these things into practice, maybe we could live a more meaningful and more dynamic life. And today we start with forgiveness. And I'm amazed at our inability to forgive. Maybe you've heard people say things like, I'm the way I am just because I'm that way. Have you ever heard someone say something like that? Or maybe I've always been this way and there's nothing you or anybody can do about it. Or I guess I will always be this way. And you know, I would believe that if someone was talking about their eye color or their height or their skin color. But that's not what we're going to be talking about for these next few weeks. We're going to be talking about things that we can actually change in our life, in our lifestyle. Things that we can do, biblical principles that we can do that would make us better people. And today we start with this thing called forgiveness. The ability to let go, the ability to get over it and move on. Those of you who are computer people, do you know what spell check is? If you were to type up a document and type the word unforgiveness, your computer would underline that word because it's not a real word. When I type documents, I type them in all capital letters just so that I can see things when I'm looking at them. So my spell check doesn't work very well because everything is out of sorts. Unforgiveness is not a real word. However, we have a tendency to use it a lot and we have a tendency to practice it a lot. So if I could today, I would like to share with you that unforgiveness, even though it's not a real word, has the ability to control your life, your heart. Those who mess with our minds, those experts who tell us why we tick and how we tick, they say that unforgiveness will lead to bitterness, will lead to difficulties in life, And it's not the kind of thing that you want to hang on to very long. It can upset your your body physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. For some reason, it's been said that harboring unforgiveness is like drinking poison and thinking it's going to cause the other person to die. Some people refuse to forgive because they think it gives them some kind of leverage over their friend or their ex-friend. Some people have a tendency not to forgive because they think it will punish their friend or their ex-friend, but that's usually not the way it works. In the book of Matthew, I want to read a portion of Scripture, and then towards the end of the message, I want to come back and, and just kind of reference the second part of Scripture, if I could do that today. But here's what we find in Matthew 18, verse verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and show him or tell him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. 
But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, then treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Now, how did the church treat pagans and tax collectors? They were kind of icky-poo, remember? And the church was told not to have a whole lot of contact with those type of people. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by the Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them also. The Bible begins to talk about this thing called forgiveness. And I guess there's two questions I want to answer today. I want to kind of ask and answer both at the same time. And the first thing is this. What good will forgiveness do? I mean, that's where we got to start. We understand we need to forgive. My thoughts are, your thoughts, well, what good, is it, what good does it do to forgive? The first thing I want you to understand is this. If you practice forgiveness, you will, the Bible says, you will experience peace. In fact, the Bible says it's the peace that passes understanding. That uncomfortable uh, gnawing sensation will go away. That, that unsettled sense of resentment and discontentment, it will disappear. It will be replaced by a sense of peace. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you might have against one another. And then in verse 15, he says, Let the peace of Christ, let it rule in your hearts, since members of one body you were called to peace. So there's a connection between forgiveness and peace. If there is no peace in your personal life, probably there's some unforgiveness that you're holding on to. If there's no peace in your marriage, your family, your relationships, you are probably hanging on to something that happened years ago or months ago or days ago or minutes ago. If you want peace to reign in your life, you need to learn to forgive. I mean, it's pretty easy stuff. What will forgiveness do? It will help you experience peace. It will also help you find it easier to forgive yourself. Have you ever been in one of those situations? Maybe if you are quick to show mercy and grace to others, then you will be quicker to show mercy and grace to yourself. Without guilt, without regret, without bitter resentment, you should be able to look at a relationship and handle it much, much better if you are a person who understands grace and forgiveness. One more thing that forgiveness will do, it will give you the ability to experience the fullness of, of forgiveness. And here's where it gets kind of serious, okay? In Luke 6:37, we are told by God that we must forgive if we want to be forgiven. Luke 6:37. In the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6:12, the words are forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us if you want forgiveness from god then you need to be able to forgive other people if you don't then god will not forgive you i mean this is getting serious now this is a salvation issue we have to get to the point where we can forgive and forget and let it go if not god will not be able to forgive and forget and let it go 
So that's the answer to the first question, the benefits of forgiveness. Here's the second question, how to do it. How to put forgiveness into practice. We know what the Bible says. We've been around the block a time or two, and we know that we need to forgive and forget and let it go. The question is how to do this. And it starts with understanding the episode in the Bible that comes in that second part of that chapter. You see, there was a man who owed the king a great deal of money. And the king was kind of pulling in all of his markers, and he called this servant in and said, hey, it's time to pay up. The servant said, I can't pay, I don't have it. And the king became angry, and he said, well, if you don't have it, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to throw you in jail. I'm going to sell everything that you have. I'm going to sell your wife and your kids, and I'm going to gather money in to pay your debt. The man began to beg for mercy. And the Bible says that the king heard his pleas, and he forgave the debt. He canceled the debt. Now, that's a pretty good story, isn't it? Here's the kicker. This man leaves the king, and he goes out, and he's on his way home. He comes across a buddy that owes him a couple bucks. And he says, hey, you owe me some money. It's time to pay up. Give it to me. And the man says, I don't have it. Not carrying any money on me. I just have one of those little fancy plastic cards. Well, maybe it didn't say that, but he didn't have the money. So his friend wanted him and put him into jail until he could repay the debt. I always thought this was kind of crazy. You put people in jail so they can pay a debt. How does that work? I don't get that. Well, when all the friends heard about this, they went back to the king and said, Hey, king, remember that guy, the guy that you forgave? He put his friend in jail for a few measly bucks. So they pull the man back in. And then things begin to get a little bit ugly. Verse 32, the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Verse 33, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Verse 34, in anger the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could repay his debt. Verse 35, Jesus says, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. You know what that means? That you forgive not because you have to, but because you want to. You ever have that issue in your house? We did in our house when our boys were growing up. I remember one time, Matt the oldest, four years older, he did something to his brother, and I said, okay, Matt, go out and apologize to Andy. And Matt said, hey, Andy, I'm sorry. And Andy said, what'd you say, Matt? Didn't hear ya." I said, Andy, leave it alone. I'm going to walk out of the room here in about three seconds, and then you're on your own. Have you ever had those kind of issues? You go tell them you're sorry. Sorry. We force that so that someday they will do it naturally. Anybody here... Ever forgive someone because they felt like they had to? That's not what God wants you to understand from this passage. He wants you to learn to forgive because you get to. Because you want to. Because you know if you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. I mean, that's a pretty... Don't kill the messenger, it's the message. You need to forgive or God will not allow you into his kingdom. That's the way it works. So here's the how-to when it comes to forgiveness. 
Number one, forgive as God has forgiven you. And that's completely and fully. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Jesus, just as God has forgiven you. How good has God forgiven you? Completely, totally. In fact, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 32, 34, God says, I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. So God forgives and forgets. And we forgive and remember, don't we? I'll get you back. I may not get even, but I'll get ahead. That's the way we think. I guess if there's one thing that God cannot do, he cannot remember forgiven sins. Because the Bible says he forgives and he remembers what? No more. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that? In fact, the Bible says that God uh, removes that memory as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? Long way. I don't know. The only way we kind of clarify east and west is in Evansville, east side, west side kind of thing. And there's not a whole lot of gray area in between. But us north siders know how to do it, right? We do. Forgive as God has forgiven you. And also forgive those who need to be forgiven. You know, sometimes in life, it's not about you. You're not in the mess. So stay out of the mess. And just pray for those who are in the mess. It's not your business to be in everybody else's business. So forgive those that you need to forgive. When it comes to others, pray and let them deal with it. That would be a better better thing. One more thing, we need to learn to forgive face to face. And we don't do that much anymore, do we? When we have an issue, we don't talk to that person. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 15, if your brother sins against you, you go to him. And you talk it out. That's the way it ought to happen. We don't do that much, do we? Sometimes we write letters. It's called snail mail. We put it out there and off it goes. If we don't do that, we're pretty good at emailing, aren't we? Because you can say a lot in an email when you're not around somebody else. Sometimes we actually text things to people the bible says the best deal is just to go and deal with it face to face you know if we could practice that principle most of our issues could be hammered out as we sit down face to face but we don't do that much we talk to other people and we talk about other people there's even a plan b and c here if you go to them and talk and you get nowhere you're supposed to take two or three people witnesses they're with you. If that doesn't do any good, the Bible says, tell the church, tell the body of believers. If that doesn't help, we are to treat them like a pagan or tax collector. Forgiveness is important, and it matters to God, and if we forgive, he promises to forgive also. If we won't, he promises not to forgive. What if we were to do this? I mean, as a group of people, as a church, what if we were to be better at forgiveness? What if you were to be better at forgiveness? I mean, what if? Would you be a better person? Would this be a better place? What if we were to treat others the way Jesus treated others? What if we were to pray for reconciliation instead of judgment and condemnation? What if we were to meet face-to-face with those 
we were in conflict with? What if we were to forgive everyone who has offended us? God promises to forgive if we forgive. What if we were that type of people? It's hard to believe this. Maybe you have some of these at home. They look nice, don't they? Little kittens. There was an article I came across entitled, Research Shows That Cats Can Never Forgive. Evidently, cats never forgive. The article says scientists have observed the, uh, the, the behavior of many different animals. The bulk of research has been on primates. Scientists have also reserved non-primates like domestic cats. And it has been found that cats cannot ever forgive. Duh! The takeaway from that story is, don't forgive like a cat. I've seen the movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Have you seen it? Where do cats go? (laughs) Don't call me up. Don't email me. Don't text me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But what if we were better at forgiving? Would this be a better place? Would you be a better person? Surely we can do life better than an animal. I encourage you to learn to forgive because your salvation depends on it.